You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Hello, I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And you're listening to the Australian Finance Podcast. A podcast where we talk about money, finance, investing, and all that good stuff. We're helping you invest your time and money better one podcast episode at a time. Yes, so please subscribe if you like the series. And don't forget you can find us on social media. We're on all the platforms. Kate, where can people go? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Rask Australia. That's R-A-S-K Australia. Mm -hmm. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter or Owen Rask AU on Instagram. Beware the imitators. People like to copy us. Without further ado, let's jump in to today's episode. Kate, welcome to this very special episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be here and we're recording in Sydney today. Yeah, we're on the road if you hear some bus noises. We don't have buses in the CBD in Melbourne, so that's something new for us. Um, but we have a very, very special guest, Effie. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hello, hello. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, big fan of your work too. So oh, well. it's an honour to be on your podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, Effie. I think we are we are batting out of our league today. And we're so grateful for you to for you to be on the show. We're going to talk about your books. We're going to talk about money saving, mm-hmm. investing, what's going on in the economy. A bit about you as well. This is exciting stuff. And how long have we got for all this? Yes, we're going to fit that into. Okay, we're done. um, Wonderful to have you on the show. And um, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time out. We had Evan on the show, who who I know you know. Yes. Um, He talked about money and relationships and psychology recently. And he's got his new book out, which I read, which was really amazing. Evan does a a brilliant job on basically demystifying, um, you know, some complex strategies and really making them very easy to, to understand obviously i know evan through investmart as well mm, yeah yeah and uh, yeah thank you to investmart you're an independent director um yes. helping us put t- today together so um i don't know where you want to start kate like well i think I, it'd be cool to talk a little bit about your journey Effie, because mm. you've been in the industry for a long time and you started at a time where there weren't many women in finance especially with a public face and i was just wondering maybe if you have some early memories of 
your starting point in this industry. Yeah, it's a good point you raise. It's so nice to see so many more females in this space like yourself. But you're right. I guess when I came into it, I didn't even think about, you know, being a female, male, whatever. I just thought that I want to get this information out. Um, I mean, I always knew I wanted to get into finance, always. I Hmm. loved economics in year 10 and that was it. That was, you know, my trajectory to get into there. But I ended up... um, doing a Bachelor of Economics at UQ and then fell into banking. And I did that for, for quite a while, six, seven years, was with mm. a major bank and I thought, this is it, I'm just going to get my gold watch and stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness. I remember seeing a, a job advertisement, it was in the paper and uh, it was for the money show back then. So mm. Paul uh, Clithrow, you may know, yes, kind of yep. the financial guru, godfather that kind of really started it all, I think was looking for a uh, kind of senior research, somewhat senior researcher that knew finance. So it was um, it was a big call because you, you leave the bank and it was secure. I was mm. young. I thought this was where I was going to keep going in my career. And um, I remember, you know, going to that job interview and, and Paul was basically saying, I'm going to, you know, give you your best tip you've ever heard in finance. And I remember reading all these books before going to that interview (laughs) and I'm sitting there going, wow, I mean, what is this tip? And he basically said, look, Effie, it's not what you earn that counts, it's what you spend. (laughs) I'm thinking that's such a basic but Mm. solid, solid tip. It's not what you earn that counts, it's what you spend. And it kind of turned around on me because I ended up getting this job, but at half my salary. He prepared me for that hook, like and the hook, line, and sinker I was in. Um, but then that's when the passion started. And I guess I think my first break would have been on. Um, I don't know if a lot of your listeners would know this show, but it was a midday show. Kerry Ann hmm. was running it, so I was talking about money back then on the Kerry Ann show. And, and now, you know, you know, did the money show um, and then started a magazine in 1999 and, and um, you know the passion has always been to communicate and I see myself as that a communicator I'm not a financial advisor um, I live and breathe basically what I say and um, basically financial empowerment for me is so so important especially for women um, you know coming from a, a, a background where my parents really struggled um, you know my, you know coming from Greece as migrants and so on money was a, a, a big issue Mm. Yeah. Were you, you mentioned there, like, studied economics and yeah. you're really passionate about that. And then Paul comes in and says, yeah, it's about saving money, basically. Yeah. Um, and you said that you're surprised by that almost because here we are in finance, in this industry, in these big towers, and we're taught all these complicated formulas. And then now your job is like, no, we just, you know, spend less and have intention with your money. Were you surprised at the disconnect between those two worlds? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for if I had to look at, you know, what was the um, what was the one aspect I think that's ensured that I've continued to stay in this industry because fundamentally I'm a communicator. It's communicating that information. Mm. It doesn't have to be hard. And, and and I remember throughout my career I would probably be looked down a little bit upon because it's like oh you're talking about don't spend much you know save mm. that's such a basic thing, but it's it's the principle of everything. Get these basic money rules right. And the rest fall into place. And I think if you can communicate those elements to everybody in a format that people can understand, that's a success. 
that 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 that's amazing that you know you can then jump on that and help someone out um but you're absolutely right we can kind of get carried away with it all and um uh miss the point of everything mm. and the, the big problem that I see with a lot of people um, you know we talk about FOMO fear fear of missing out but for me it's all about fear of jumping in mm. I see a lot of people not doing something because they fear of jumping in and all that comes down to is the power of knowledge get that right and then you kind of demystify things and you can jump in. Mm. I, like mm. it. I like that because so much of finance has seemed inaccessible for a long time and yeah. we're talking about off air about how things like podcasts and TV, like the stuff you do every morning, um, really break down some of those barriers that have traditionally been there. And some of the work you've done with Money Magazine over the years, you must have seen Australians and money tips from all different directions. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think I've seen it pretty much all. There's no, it's no such thing as a new idea, I feel, yeah. <laughs> just a different way of saying it. Um, but it is so good to see it on so many different platforms. Um, and you're right, it's quite amazing. I think I was speaking to you before, Kate, that, um, you know, I have the opportunity to, to be on, you know, primetime breakfast show um, with wonderful people like Carl and Ali and I'm talking about money. Who mm. would have thought that they'd yeah. want someone on a breakfast show to talk about money. I mean, this morning I was talking about inflation, the Aussie dollar, you know, what happens when it goes down? What does that mean? Well, people want to know what it means to them. Does it mean that I can buy a real cheap TV now? I should buy one now because the dollar's going to go up. So things like that, you know, it's quite amazing that um, it is on that platform. But you're right, now we can get this information everywhere. And and that's got to be good. But sometimes I think with consumers too, you can have too much Mm. and you can get a bit of... um, what is it? Information paralysis, maybe. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I feel like you—you you said before, like your job is like as a communicator. Yeah. I feel like you used an example there. You just talked about inflation and TVs. Yes. It's TVs what people care about, but then they hear about this thing called inflation, which they're scared about. And to relate those two things is just like a, a gift because you you can introduce the money conversation with so many people, and that's. That's really special. Yeah, it is. I mean, I could sit there and just completely talk about, okay, if, you know, if the, the Fed increases interest rates, then the mm. gap between our rates and their rates, and then that will cause inflation to go up. Yeah, that's all well and good. But what does that mean for me? What does that mm. mean for the average person? And you've got to bring it down because that's when you get people interested um, and that's when it matters to, to, to most people. And, and then, look, if we can get our individual affairs into a better place, then overall that's got to be better for the economy, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. I love it. And after all your experience in the industry, at the end of the day, what does money mean to you now? What does money, like the physical money, <laughs> mean <laughs> to the concept me, of the it? concept. For me, it does mean um, Financial freedom, freedom, security, it it means that I don't have to be driven by it. Instead, I can make decisions without worrying about it. And that financial wellness is so, so important. And unfortunately, I am seeing when you look at, you know, data, who's ever data you want to have a look at, um, that financial wellness is not there for a lot of Aussies. And I, I couldn't think of anything worse than being, you know, in that position where you can't sleep at night because financial matters are impacting you. And we are seeing this now. Mm. And for me, it doesn't mean that I'm the richest person by no means. That, that That's not going to happen. I know that. It just means I am the best 
financial version of myself that that doesn't have to factor in how I live my life. Um, and that's on the side. So th- I guess money for me is a bit of security, a bit of comfort that um, it does not consume me. Mm. I like that. And if someone is feeling financially stressed right now and maybe can't sleep, where would you even, where would you start? Where would you recommend going? Yeah, we're, we're in interesting times, aren't we? Mm. Gee, oh, it yeah. just doesn't, it doesn't stop. Does It feels like it doesn't stop. Maybe because I'm in the news cycle, it might be a little bit <laughs> There's worse. There's always then. something. <laughs> There's always something. My kids think I'm living at the end of the world or something. Um, look, it, it, the, the good thing is, is that if you are feeling financially stressed, there are things you can do. And the first thing is to put your hands up and get help. Yeah. You can't just be sitting there getting this in your head. And I always talk about voices in our head because we do have our voices in our head when it comes to money matters. We do ask ourselves a lot of questions. The good news is there is so much help out there but it's a matter of where to get it. Mm. And in, in a lot of cases, it could be a, a situation of just take a deep breath and, and have a look at your affairs. And often that goes back to the basic 101. It, it, it's what's keeping you up at night. Maybe jot that down. Okay, so where is my money going? What can I do to bring it back in? And, and in, in cases where you can't even get to that level, I'd be calling just the National Debt Helpline, you know, 1-800-007-007. Ring them because they do such a brilliant job, financial counsellors, so they're not financial advisors, they're not selling you anything. Um, There is no shame um, Mm. and there is just so many options that they can direct you to. Is energy crisis keeping you up? Is it that you just can't afford to be paying your mortgage repayments now? Whatever your concern is, there is an avenue to, to, to get some help. Um, and I have done a, a bit of work even with CanStar on looking at the cost of living because it's such a big issue right now. And even for, for you know um, young people coming through to juggle saving for a deposit or, or, or their cost of living and so on, often it's our regular household bills that are weighing us down. Mm-hmm. And just looking at some analysis of you know what is the average amount we're paying, what's the cheapest or best in the market, a household could save easily around $13,000 a year just there by swapping mm. things around. Unfortunately, when it comes to our expenses, a lot of us just autopilot. Mm. It just comes out, it pays. And I think, if anything, the pandemic has finally got a lot of people to say, oh, my goodness, I really need to take control of my fares. Um, this is really important right now, as you mentioned, you know, inflation. Mm energy prices the fuel bill everything's going on we're, we're fortunate here in australia actually compared to around the world like you look at england yeah that's really scary yeah. over there yeah. um you talk a lot about debt in the book obviously yeah. um and that's something that we know we, we have a lot of folks that write into us and credit cards payday loans buy now pay later um I guess a lot of people feel almost like exhausted and just at their wits end a lot of the time. And now with interest rates going up, it's probably even scarier for them. Yeah. Are the things that, like we, we briefly joked about this, but there are some things that kind of don't change. You just say it in a different way. Um, and that, I feel like that relates like kind of the logical to the emotional. At a time right now, are there, 
if people wanted to take some action today, are there any things that, anything that you could leave us with? Mm-hmm. So those of us that are in a lot of debt, is yeah. that what your point? Yeah. yeah. Is it go to the debt helpline first or are there things I can do now? Look, you can you can obviously call them. I mean, in, in most cases, let, let's say you're a homeowner. We were chatting about this before. You know, someone on a half a million dollar mortgage, by the time Christmas comes, they're, they're probably looking at their repayments jumped by about $1,000 more mm. since the first rate hike. Which mm. is very scary. It is very scary. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got the haves and the have-nots. Those that have got a buffer in their home loan, they're probably older customers in the sense they've had their loan longer, I yep. mean, that way. Um, and they may be able to get out of a cushion there. Or you have others that have just got it and and they've got to find that $1,000. Either which way, it's a change in behaviour. Even if you've got the money, you've still got to find that extra $1,000 somewhere. Maybe it's less dinners for you out. Maybe it's less well, mm. holidays or whatever the case may be. It's a, it's a shift in your behaviour. And that's hard to do. Um, so I think what we'll probably see now is a lot of people, you know, unfortunately in that case there's some quick fixes. If you're a new home loan customer, unfortunately, new deals, the best deals go to new customers. Mm. You're seeing almost a 0.5% difference in interest rate there for, for existing customers versus new customers. So it is a case of actively asking your lender, you got a better deal for new customers. What can you do for me? If they're not going to do anything, can you refinance? A lot of people can't refinance. They're what we call mortgage prisoners. Mm-hmm. So if you look at uh, property data, we've seen what um, even Sydney, here where I live, probably in the last quarter, it's fallen down by about 6% yeah. uh, property prices. So you might find that if you borrowed heavily, you're still stuck in that situation. If that's the case, I'd be looking at, okay, what other debts around me? What can I do? Me personally, I love the snowball method. And a lot of people have probably heard that. Yep. Uh, it's just psychologically, it works a lot easier. If you can list your debts down from smallest to highest, then focus just on the smallest, put everything else on minimum, bare minimum repayments. Then you've got all that surplus repayments, channel it, attack it to the smallest loan, knock that off. Oh, the satisfaction of ticking yeah, that off. Absolutely. Done. Move to the next of the list, keep doing it. And then even in between there, you can speed that up by looking at, okay, I can't refinance my home loan. I'm stuck here, but I've got these other debts. Maybe I can refinance my credit card to a cheaper one. Maybe I can refinance my car loan or whatever just to help you along the lines. Mm. But you've got to do it. No one's going to do it for you. You have to make the first move. Mm. I like it. Yeah, and that's the challenge because it is easy to bury your head in the sand yeah. with these matters and because it just seems so hard and so overwhelming. Mm. Uh, one of the things I really liked in your girl's guide to to money, which I know you're coming out with a new edition yeah. early next year, which is exciting, because that that came out pre-COVID, didn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, it did, and it's uh, and it's obviously it's hit a market, which I'm so happy. Um, uh, and updating it was a, a, an interesting experience because I, I felt like, yeah, okay, the information still stands, which I hope it would. Yeah. But a lot has changed too, so that's just kind of gone to the printers now and should be out in next year, uh, January. Um, and so yeah, the, the the fundamental strategies are still there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you had some really cool money challenges yeah. at the end and they were just something small and simple that you could do every week. So yeah. instead of trying to attack, read the book and go, I need to implement everything immediately to fix my finances, you could just do one thing a week. And I was wondering if you could share some of those money-saving challenges with us. Yeah, I think, and we were talking about people watch 
but bite-sized information. Yeah. And we want we want things mm. now, don't we? we want yeah. oh, quick, quick, quick fix, yeah. please. Quick fix. Yeah. So I'm hoping this will be a quick fix in a sense that you can take control. It's kind of like a, a money bingo. Open it. It's at the back. Um, there's a tip there. You can pick whichever one you want. You can take a whole day to do it. You can take a whole week to do it. Once you've done it, cross it off. Um, that satisfaction of crossing them all out. And, and it is kind of little tips. Like it, it could be as simple as delete one app. Delete one app. You know, have a look at your phone. Mm. What's on there? Have you got Uber Eats? Have you got maybe you know uh, Olay? Uh, 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 um, sorry, a ride sharing yep. app. Um, you know, what's on on your phone that may be costing you money? So it could be as simple as delete one app. Have you got a credit card? Okay. Call your bank and reduce the limit by half immediately. I'm not telling you to go cold turkey. I'm just telling you reduce that limit. If you reduce the limit, it reduces your liability. So little tips like that. A lot of us may be going back to work. So all those great habits you've done. I mean, think about if you've worked at home, you probably haven't bought your lunch mm. in the last <laughs> no, year or no. two. So the idea is then, you know, maybe set up a, an account every time you bring your lunch to work transfer $15 straight into an online saver. Do that every time you bring your lunch to work and you'll see just how much that goes up. It could be a little bit more detailed involved like, you know, give your super a health check. These are the four things you need to look at. Your performance, your fees, your insurance, your asset class. Now, that may take a little bit longer, but at least it gives you something to focus on for that week or maybe you need two weeks, but you can do it in your own um, time. So, yeah, I hope that kind of inspires people to flick through and just see, well, which challenge am I going to do today? Yeah, mm. I like that. And people do like a challenge and something they can tick off. I know that helps a lot with me when saving goals. I actually write out the, the installments that I want to get to yeah. as I'm working towards the goal and actually physically crossing them off, which you would think is so non-technological, but it actually works better. Well, and that's a, a, that's like rule 101, isn't it? What's your goal? Where do you want to get to? And often if you can visualise that too, I often have little post notes and, and put them on there. And some of my mm. goals for the year are really easy, like I can tell you. For me, one was um, just uh, set up a BPAY to put money into my super. Hmm. So for someone my age, simple. It's it's simple. It's a no brainer. You know that the, the 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 tax incentives. Where I am at my life, it, it's crazy not to actually do. I mean, I have been making non concessional contributions for a long time, but setting it up as a BPAY for me, it's kind of a win win situation. You you look at your bank account. You may have like ten bucks in there. You think oh, it's a hassle to transfer it. You BPAY. You press the button. Bang! It's in your super automatically. Hmm. Um, and I do silly things too, like a you know it could be the Coke bottle challenge. That could be. I'm going to do that this year. Um, so, but I visualize it. So I'll put a picture on my desk, and there it is. I like it. If you can b combine the visualization, it's super powerful. But also the feedback loops, which is what you're referring to with the snowball earlier yeah. on. It's the feedback loops, is shortening them. I think a lot of people like we say this with dieting, right? Yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, get healthy, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I would love to do that. I'm going to start today, and then you're like, well, where do I start? Yeah. We'll start with maybe just cutting out one thing, and it. Just chipping away at it, I feel like that's more powerful than kind of this overwhelming thing like I'm just going to save more money. Yeah, and it's why I guess our New Year's resolutions don't work because it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm going to be better with money. What does that mean? Yeah. You actually have to break it down and put give yourself mm. something that's achievable too, not not overshoot and, and um, uh, yeah, write it down, visualise it and, and you'll be able to, to stick to it. It's all breaking that 
you know, breaking things down. Mm. And often people, when people say they want to be better at money, one of the first things they want to try and target is their budgeting. And yeah. Yeah. I know we've had listeners write in before and like, oh, I've tried a lot of different budgeting methods, but I still can't really figure out what works because my expenses and change every month. Do you have any strategies there? Uh, with budgeting? Yeah. Uh, budgeting's so personal, isn't it? I can, it get, is. <laughs> I can get guilt for this. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's um, I, I look at my budget twice a year because a budget is never set in stone. It changes. It's got to move with you. Um, and I just do the good old Excel spreadsheet. I'm an mm. old-fashioned type like me. Of girl. Yeah, I like it too, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there's lots of apps out yeah. there. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't. No, no, no. I, no? I, I, I'm simple he spreadsheet. Loves spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm saying, <laughs> Kate, have you, do yeah. you prefer an app or do you? Oh, I, just, I just use the app. I'm kind of. My the way I do it is I'm like this is how much I want to save and invest every month yeah. and if I can do that then I don't really mind what happens with the rest it yeah. just can happen yeah. yeah I met a guy that had 27 sub accounts so you know his savings accounts wow. 27 okay. I mean in this day and age you don't pay fees on bank accounts so you can do that it just goes to show how fine he broke his budgeting yeah. down so I, I do do an Excel spreadsheet basically and the, the beauty about everything being digital now we've got a digital Digital footprint. You mm. only need to have a look at someone's budget to really understand how they value money. Um, and then I highlight things that just keep going out. I highlight basically regular costs in one colour. Then I highlight discretionary spending in another. Do that and that will be quite an eye-opener because it's discretionary spending that really kills a budget. So from there what I do is that the, the household bills, I do that check do that twice a year. Am I still in the best possible deal? Your phone plans change. I may not need as many gigabytes. Things move, things change. So I, I, I detox my finances there, clean that up. And then um, the yeah. other one, I, I, it's a great reminder of this discretionary spending. I then set up buckets. I name the buckets because once you put them as a personal thing, I'm really not going to take money out of, say, my daughter's account. Poor Nikki. I can't take money out from there. So, you know, I've named them, made them personal. Yeah. For me, a perfect budget is when my income comes in, um, it gets dispersed completely out. There's nothing in that transaction account left. Um, and, you know, I pay myself first. It is a bill. Um, and we talked about forced savings as well. Um, right. I, I know InvestSmart, and I thought it's a very clever product in the sense it's playing on the, the theme of buy now, pay later. This is um, invest now, fund later. I've actually invested in that myself because I want to get a feel mm. for it, real feel for it, because mm. I love the concept. The thing is, a lot of us don't save, mm. but we're great at paying debt. So, you know, in this case, turn it into a debt. And then you pay it off and, you know, you the way it works, obviously, you, you only need to put 4000 down to get a 10000 investment. It's not for everyone, but it's that forced saving. So for me, I pay myself, I automate everything, and it just happens. Mm. You yeah. sound like a hybrid of Kate and I. Oh, do because I? Yeah. Kate's massive advocate for automating, which we both are, but I also did exactly the same thing. And I'm like, I found someone that does it too, which is the spreadsheet or yeah. like a bank statement and highlighting. I typically only do it for all of the big expenses at tax time mm -hmm. because I've got to get it right, like for accounting and for the, the tax agent. So I go through and if this is, this is a fuel cost or if this is a subscription and this is this. And then I identify it's kind of like the retrospective budget because that's a realistic, you said it like 
look at someone's bank account and it kind of reflects how they value money. Yeah, yeah. That's such a powerful phrase because yeah. it does, right? We I can all say quote. Is- Was it an actual quote by a yeah, president? Yeah. Don't tell me what you value. Show yes. me where you spend your money. Yeah, I'll better tell not you take credit for yeah. that one. <laughs> oh, no, this is, uh, yeah, this, is, uh, this is yours. Let's own it. No, um, <laughs> it's definitely not Loosely mine. inspired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's true, right? Like we... I speak to a lot of financial planners and they say the retrospective budget, looking backwards, is the one that we use. Well, you've got to look backwards in order to move forwards. That's mm. what I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Where has my money gone? How can I be mm. better at it? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm a kind of combination of both yeah, of you. It's, yeah. uh, it's great. Um, one of the things, Effie, that we get a lot of questions on and something that we probably don't have good enough answers to, if I'm being candid, is the relationships and money conversation. Mm. We've got a lot of people from 30 to 45 and they're, this is a really interesting time for a lot of people because, and even younger, we have a lot of people in their 20s, but predominantly 30s. And they, you know, they want to have a family. They're thinking about long-term goals and things like this. And the question is, how do we deal with money? Yeah. How do you deal with money if you're in a relationship? Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys first, how do you deal with money? <laughs> well, I, my wife and I, we have always been a team, if that yeah. makes sense. So we met when we were, I think I was 17, she was 16. So for us, it was always together. Yeah. You go through uni, school, you don't have that much money, so you yeah. work together. But the more I've spoken to people, the more I realized that may not, in fact, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. That's what I've come up with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I find it fascinating just talking to all my friends about how they deal with it because everyone is so different yeah. and every friend approaches it differently and has different conversations and even mm. the questions they talk about are different. Mm. Yeah, and I actually have a, a chapter around this and I have spoken to behavioural economists around as well and I'm personally interested because firsthand I went through this when mm. I got married um, and it's interesting. We have different money personalities. So let's establish that first of all. Um, you know, putting it really simply, about five, you know. Obviously, you can be a combination of them and so on. And um, I've put together these kind of five money personalities. Some I've called, you know, new ones like a sloth is someone who's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sloths are beautiful creatures, but they're very slow because they're burdened with debt. Mm. So if, that, if you can relate to that, then I'd call you basically a sloth. You've got a, a peacock as well. And, you know, peacocks are beautiful. They bring the feathers out and that's to attract people. And that happens with spending too. And I can relate to myself mm. as a peacock because I'm one of those people that if we go out to, uh, to a pub for a drink, I guarantee you I'm the first to say I'll shout everyone. And then I think, mm, why did I say that? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, okay. Because I have a bit of a peacock syndrome maybe. But I'm also an owl as well. So I, I, I can invest as well and, I, I, you know, I look at my super, which is not probably healthy, once a week. I look at my investments, how they're tracking once a week. It's not good. Let me tell you, <laughs> when the market's falling and this volatility, it's not good to do that. So I can see different kind of personalities there. My husband different again we cross over in some areas obviously there is a, an attraction there that we had <laughs> that's good money mustn't have been it <laughs> um because we are very very different and i learned very early in my relationship that well we're going to keep things separate mm. um you know someone who in my job in my field you can expect i like to pay things on time i'm very anal mm-hmm. things have got to be done right part of the brand part of the yeah. brand absolutely okay <laughs> 
self-employed person, their cash flow, they're completely complaining all the time about, oh, I haven't been paid or the cash flow is not coming and so on. So, you know, they don't have the luxury of a boss kind of paying you regularly each week and so on. So we clashed. Mm. We clashed like no tomorrow. And I did the one thing that I've always written about that I would never suggest you do, put them on your card. I had a credit card back then Mm. as the additional card holder. No way, no way, no way, no way. Cut them off so fast and then basically set the rules that what are our goals? We need to achieve that. We need to be you know, united in that. But as far as accounts and what you do, then we're separate. And we're also different investment styles. He's more property and I'm more shares, ETFs um, and, you know, loving my super. Mm. So it kind of works well. So long as we stay together, we don't stay together. It's going to be a bit of a mess, isn't it? I'm going to be very equities heavy, and he's going to be very property heavy. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just interesting hearing about how people do it so differently. And I know you've got some questions that people could potentially use on a date night when they want to talk about money for the first time. That's it is interesting, isn't it? Mm. Imagine going on a date and asking, "Hey, what's your credit score?" Yeah, um, I, yeah <laughs> probably wouldn't ask that one. <laughs> but you can find out a lot about a person even indirectly to yeah um i mean look my husband and i early on you know had fun doing a money quiz online and you know if you can if you can do that that's a sneaky way of finding out what they like might be like you know and and some questions like hey hun if you want a million dollars what would you do with it Mm. so if they say i would buy a ferrari and then i'd go out on holidays alarm bells may have to ring So there are ways of approaching conversations. And I think the important thing is that you do find what works in your relationship Um, because, again, that can prevent you, obviously. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this. It prevents you from what you want to achieve. Your financial wellness can be, you know, know, sacrificed here. Um, And and I, I think as long as you do talk about it, how you go about it, it can be very different for each couple. I think talking about it is really important. Yeah. I think... If we take the other side of the ledger, financial abuse is a real problem mm. as well. And so communication, there's probably the gateway to getting rid of that yep. in your life. And if you can't communicate with the person, that does make it challenging. It does. And also, if I guess for my generation and even older, what I have seen is a lot of financial abuse of that. Or a situation where, especially for, for women, they weren't involved in mm. the uh, household finances and, you know, through a separation or that control. Um, you know, financial abuse, if we're talking, that can come in many forms yeah. and can be hard to recognize and um it's absolutely awful awful and a lot of women find getting out of that and then realizing i don't know where to start Mm. and again there is help professional help yeah yeah. that that can be done um but it's so important that women these days do get involved with their financial matters even if they're not earning an income if one person is the primary carer and then that person still needs to be involved mm. in that income and i do suggest even as a payment uh, in that case that you know maybe paid a budget that they can manage or use at their discretion so again they have that we'll talk about autonomy that control mm. yeah i think that's really important because it also means that if you are in a situation if you if you are in a situation you do have some control over some money mm. it's it's also liberating because mm. you feel like I'm in a bad situation, but you know, I've got a couple of thousand dollars here. If I need to use that, I can. 
And that's just really powerful, that first couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. And we talk about Aussies not having, a lot of Aussies not having even $2,000 in an emergency fund. Yeah. That first $2,000 is, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And um, in relationships that applies, I think, too. Yeah. And uh, I would encourage anyone that's in that situation, seek professional help, but also pick up the book. Listen to what Effie's saying here around communication. Maybe that's a telltale sign. Yeah. I actually did do a, um, a, a podcast of dabbled a little bit in it and, mm-hmm. and actually financial abuse was one where I had, um, you know, a, a wonderful lady come on and, and basically give first-hand account of, mm. of what can that can be like. Um, and it, it is a case where I, I think all women should um, at least listen to something like that to, to prevent it from themselves. Yep, yeah, Absolutely. Kate, let's talk about something optimistic. <laughs> yes. So if someone's listening and they've been thinking about investing for a long period of time and they've just sat on the fence, maybe for a couple of years yeah. now they started getting interested during COVID, but they're just they're held by, back by something. Maybe they feel like they just need to know a bit more yeah. um, or they don't think they have enough money mm. to get started. How would you go about tackling some of those beliefs? Yeah, and it's an interesting time to be investing because it's so volatile but I think you need to put that out and go back to okay what's the goal what are Mm -hmm. you trying to achieve and why are you doing it and there were so many first-time investors that went into the market I think like half a million or something like that with statistics you probably know that better than I do Um, and they dabbled in there for a number of reasons we looked at like the cash rate was. I mean, it's improving a little bit. I can find you an account now that pays 4%. Okay, that may sound exciting, mm. but still at the end of the day, that money is going backwards. I've always been a great believer. I, I think my first foray into the share market, I was, what, 18, 19, and I really didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. But I did know that, you know what, money in this bank account is not going to earn anything. I might as well own the bank. So hence why I bought bank shares. Hmm. I also worked for a bank, so it just seemed like a no-brainer. Um, and I, I think people going in now, the beauty about when I was investing versus now, you actually don't need that much to invest. And you don't have to do all the thinking if you don't want to. Um, you know, you could. I mean, obviously, $2,000 would probably be the recommended amount to get into the share market. Um, but then you could you know, you don't have that diversity, diversification with, mm. with just one stock. What are you going to buy with just one? You'll have to, you know, take some time. You've got to jump in to know what you're doing. There is the beauty now of ETFs that you can get mm. into that track and index. I mean, I love seeing if you're not quite sure what they are, think of it like a shopping basket and it tracks uh, uh, like a benchmark. And let's say it's, you're looking at the ASX 200, the 200 top stocks there. And then they put the the, the products, the, mm. the, the businesses in there. So they'll have CSL in the shopping basket. They might put Telstra in the shopping basket. And off they walk around with all these companies. They're going to charge you a little bit of a fee for that. And then they'll rebalance that. And so you can either do that directly through the providers, go through robo-advisors like InvestSmart. There are lots of options. And I think, again, going back to that knowledge is key, even something getting onto the government's website, moneysmart.gov.au, has some great Mm. information around investing and exchange-traded funds. I think with all the noise what we're going to have, yeah, yeah, there is going to be volatility. There will be continue to be volatility. Australia will probably fare a little bit better, our markets, but then if we've got this global recession as we're talking about, that's going to impact 
on Australia as well. Companies won't be buying as much. A demand for our products, that then filters down to companies. It's all kind of logical when you, you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are investing, you're investing in a company that you expect will do well. Well, why will it do well? What's it selling? Are people going to buy more of it? What are the outside implications that could impact it? So go direct, you have to think about all that. Indirect through like an ETF or, or um, you know, uh, uh, or, or robo-advisor to set these portfolios up, you don't need to think as much. But, you know, the beauty about this is that, you know, you've got time on your hands. Mm, you it's do. not about, you know, time in the market. It's time in the market rather than time <laughs> in the market. There's another saying that's not mine. <laughs> um, so you can, uh, an asset's only bad if you have to sell it. And then if you can ride out the volatility, hopefully if you bought well, mm. you'll end up well. And I, I, I think the option is then, you know, the foregone loss of not being in the market. That's what you've got to think about. Your humble bank account will only do so much. It's not going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. The heavy lifting is going to go into investing. I think one thing that I read that really changed my mindset is I think JP Morgan did something a little while ago. It was a long time ago that basically showed someone who invested for just 10 years then stopped would be better off than someone who did it for like 25 or 30 years because of the magic of compound interest. So the number one rule here is if you can save little, but saved often, mm. you're jumping in at different price points, you've got your dollar cost averaging, it's a nice way to build up your wealth. Mm. I like it. Sensible, long term. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't have that much time left, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of our listeners, you know, even some of our older listeners who are, um, you know, approaching retirement, yeah, they often ask questions like, oh, you know, I don't have that long thing in retirement. But the thing is, even once you hit retirement, you then got 20, sometimes 30 years, you know? Yeah. It's still a long time. That's a really good point, Owen, because, and especially now with the volatility too, they're thinking, oh, yeah. gee, I'm retiring, the market's down, my, my pension fund's gone down too. Well, the good news is obviously the government has, has reduced the, the minimum drawdowns that you take out, but you're right. You want to retire at 70, you've still got, a, you know, mm. 20 years, 20 years plus. Mm. Um, if you're not sure, there is a longevity calculator that you can do to mm. work out when you will die. I suggest <laughs> you try that. I've done that myself. <laughs> yep. I've heard of people having, a, it sounds really grotesque, but a, a death clock on their table to remind them to make the most of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's ticking down. So. It, there is a death clock. Yeah. There's a debt clock as well if you want to check oh, out that, geez, that ticks okay. up. Here we go again. Um, okay. Oh, is that the one with the global debt? Yes, oh, yes. a bit terrifying. Yeah. Oh, you can just sit and watch it for hours, <laughs> can't you? Um, but going back to that, yeah, it, it is a case that you, ha- you do have time. And, and um, look, again, the share market right now has – put some huge volatility on your super fund. Mm. Um, it is a case probably best not to look at it at the moment and continue your path of what you're doing. I mean, if you're going to swap your asset classes there, you're going to crystallise some losses. So get, maybe get some expert advice if you're right in retirement for that one. Yeah, for sure. Effie, if you could go back and it sounds like your 18-year-old self was kind of switched on if you started yeah. investing in yeah. shares at that age, but what would you tell your 18-year-old self about money if you could go back? Do you know, I have actually put this down on paper and I do want to read you this because, yeah. is, is that Please okay? Do. Yeah, let's do because it. Because yeah. I sent it to my daughter, or I gave it to my daughter, so she's had this and I thought what better way for her to really understand what her mum was like at 18. Mm. Okay, so basically I said to her, 
you know, Nikki, your first job out of uni will probably pay you well. Uh, for me, I should have taken the advice of that financial planner back then when they said salary sacrifice into super. That was the first thing they came out to me when I got my job hmm. at Westpac. They had a financial planner, hmm, funny that, <laughs> to come out. <laughs> and I said, no way, I don't need to do that. I wish I did it back then mm. because being younger, sacrificing a little bit is not much pain. You can handle it. I can't handle sacrifice now at this age. Um, and then I said to um, myself, look, you're going to thank yourself in your 50s for starting so early. Don't be afraid to take on more risks. Take on more risks with your investments now. You're only 20. Your best lessons will be learnt from your failures. Okay, you've got no debts right now. You've got no kids. You've got no commitments. Go for it. Watch out what you're spending. Apply the 48-hour rule. Wish I did that when I was 18. If you want something, hold off. If you want it after 48 hours, go mm. for it. Chances are you probably want. Discretionary spending is the biggest killer. And finally, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Balance is, I don't know if I can say this word, bullshit. Yeah, of course. I want to say that because especially with a lot of women too, juggling so many balls, balance is bullshit. We, women place too much pressure on themselves. Prioritise what you want and never regret your decisions and don't worry so much. Your worries aren't that important. And then finally I'd say relax on the silhouette hairspray. Most of my 20s were lived with uh, gravity-defying hairstyles. So <laughs> I love that. And I think like for me not putting so much pressure on yourself yeah. with sorting out your career. Like in your 20s you feel like you have to have it all yes. figured out and especially with your finances it can feel so overwhelming. There's just – like we've talked about many things like budgeting, super, talking about it in relationships. And if you try and do that all at once, you'll end up probably not doing anything yeah. and just becoming paralyzed. So take a bit of pressure off and just do one thing a week. If you can just tick one money challenge off a week, whether it's doing the bingo challenge or just listening to one podcast episode, it just makes it a little bit less overwhelming. Yeah, so I, I, I couldn't like have that. said it better myself, Kate. <laughs> it is. I think we do put too much pressure. We want so much. We always think the grass is greener on the other side. Uh, and look, chances are it's, it's probably fake. So uh, it's important to, you know, stay calm and tackle one thing at a time. Mm. And you've got time. Yeah. yeah. You just got to get started. You do. Mm. <laughs> Effie, there's... Obviously, you're a wealth of knowledge and obviously it's, it's our treat to have you here today, but you've got books. I can see it just here on your profile. You've got so many different like social outlets as well. People can find you on TV. You've got a new, like the, the revised book. Is it January 2022? 20, uh, 23. 23, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> we've passed that. Yeah. Um, um, a Real Girl's Guide to Money. A Real Girl's Guide to Money. Um, and you said that the principles are largely the same, but it's a new, it's a new book. Um we would encourage all listeners to check it out, please. And it's not the only book. No, and look, I don't even care if you don't even get the book. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I just want you to be a better financial version of yourself. There's nothing more empowering than that. So even get onto free sites like themoneysmart.gov.au um, and give yourself one challenge and try and stick to that. Um, and, yeah, go for it. Yep. I love it. Effie, as someone who has lived and breathed personal finance and actually helping Australians for the last three decades, thank you so much for everything thanks, you've Kate. done. Thanks, Owen. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community 
by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.